Welcome to the 10th Podcast, bringing you insightful analysis on business and government news from a local to a global perspective. And now, here are your hosts of the 10th, Dan McCracken and Rocky Lawson. Welcome to the 10th Podcast. This is Dan McCracken. As always, I would like to start by saying thank you for taking the time to listen. Today, I spoke with author and personal development coach, Anne Demeray, about her new book, What You Don't Know, About How Others See You. We covered some of her workshops that she offers on her firstimpressionconsulting.com website. In our day-to-day lives, it's safe to say that first impressions are extremely important. Whether you are on the dating scene, job interviewing, or other purposes, Decades of research on primary and recency effects suggest that we should especially tend to remember first and last interactions and impressions. So whether you are looking for a job, a date, or a favor from a stranger, it is important to make first impressions count. Through their executive coaching and career transitioning portal, they offer a range of services to organizations, professionals, individuals, and groups. I challenge you to think about who you find toughest to read and answer the question, is being tough to read an attribute or a negative impression? Does having an understanding of first impressions make life more complicated or easier for you? Philosophers David Hume and Jonathan Locke divided impressions into two camps sensation and reflection. Sensation deriving from our senses and reflection deriving from our experiences with others in the past. Once we know these two variables, why are we so uncomfortable with the idea of introspection? You would think that we would want to be evaluated daily on our strengths and shortcomings, but in reality, we can find it hard at times to take constructive criticism. On FirstImpressionConsulting.com, there is also an interpersonal style survey that can help you introspectively understand both good and bad attributes about yourself. Please enjoy. Thank you again for listening. Here is Anne. Even something as simple as a smile has this pro-social impact. Demeray, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Dan? I'm great. I originally heard your show on the art of manliness and was extremely impressed by some of the work you've been doing around first impressions. Thank you. Yeah, and I think in the the field of impressions, there isn't enough research being done, considering it's so important. And in your book and on your website, you explain the psychology of first impressions how people form an impression on very little information and how the secret to making a positive first impression is to be other oriented and to think about how you make others feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the easiest way for someone to create a positive atmosphere so that they can win over the person that they are interacting with? A really good framework is to 
put your focus on how the other person is feeling because it just naturally comes to mind like how I'm feeling, whether I'm nervous, happy, confident, it's just pops into your awareness. Then I might think, how am I feeling about you, Dan? And then I might think, well, what is Dan thinking about me? But the one awareness that takes a little bit more effort is to think, how is Dan feeling about himself right now? And how is my interaction with him going to affect how he feels? And people always remember how you make them feel more than the content of what you say. Hmm. So it's really a great framework. And so part of that is showing a lot of interest in someone and trying to put aside your needs and what you want to talk about and the details of your life and focus on the other person. Ask questions, ask about their lives, and ask follow-up questions. It feels appreciative. People feel connected that way. And it's a really easy thing to do, especially if you're someone that sometimes is tongue-tied or doesn't feel confident going to social events or you're an introvert. It's very easy just to ask questions and show interest. And you make a much better impression than being self-absorbed. So interacting with someone who you may not have interest in what they're talking about, or you may have some sort of intrinsic understanding of who they may be, and you may dislike that person, is it unvirtuous to begin to act in some sort of strategic way to create still a positive atmosphere in order to get something that you want from them? There's this Abe Lincoln quote, I don't like that man, I need to get to know him better. So if there's someone you meet at a party or a colleague at work that you just don't feel a natural connection to, sometimes we we just naturally gravitate to people that have our similar values or sense of humor, etc. But if you try to actually spend more time with some that you don't normally gravitate towards, you might discover parts of them that you genuinely really like. Probably those people have friends and lovers and connections and people that really appreciate them for who they are and make it kind of like a challenge to find that. Well, first impressions are so important. Uh, Why aren't we taught in high school or other forms of higher learning that we should truly focus on these fundamentals? I'm to- I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's something that really needs to be taught. There is a little bit of a movement with the anti-bullying and having more compassion training and helping kids understand the emotional impact they're having on, on other children. So I think there's beginning to have some movement in that direction. But I still feel like it's something that should be taught even in middle school, you know, how to communicate effectively, how to make sure that you're a good listener, how to be able to tee up things in a way that are clear and easy for others to follow and have a proper dynamics. It's something that's probably going to be more helpful to them than a lot of the other subject matter taught. I really believe that this will happen. I'm actually a fan of this approach and um, I think it's, it will start. Well, in your experience, who do you find the toughest to read? or to get an impression of? You know, the toughest people to read are those that don't really emote or engage. And the reason it's hard to, you know, to read is because you don't know if they're distracted by something else going on in their life, or they're not interested in engaging with you, or they're they're feeling sick that day, or they really want to engage, but they're shy and can't think of something to say. So it's really hard to read. So if someone behaves like that, you make some guess, and you may um, actually misinterpret them. 
So if you're someone that falls into that category, um, again, an easy thing to do is to just try to make yourself a little bit more open. And like I said, ask questions, just agree with someone, just show a little bit more activity, and then you'll be easier to read. And then you might start to naturally connect with someone, share some experiences, but you need to give a little bit. Otherwise, people don't know how to read you and may read you in a way that's not accurate, that doesn't reflect the real you. What do you think it's safe to say that a majority of people currently live with interpretations of interactions at the level of their subconscious until something is wrong? A lot of this stuff takes place emotionally and subconsciously, and we kind of keep our hearts open to people if they are warm and they give us positive vibes and give us these kind of social gifts as we call them and make us feel good about ourselves. If they do something that hurts our feelings, maybe even unintentionally, then sometimes we might shift a little bit. It may be a big switch like, whoa, this person I just realized is very you know, negative in a certain way and I can't accept that. Or it might be like, hmm, am I feeling a little bit more neutral about that person? So these things happen very subtly and emotionally. So that's why it's really helpful to be aware, again, of how you're making people feel, you know, having that as a framework, and then you're less likely to make the misstep to cause someone to shift in their kind of thinking of you. But at the same time, it's good to be compassionate and realize that sometimes people make these missteps unintentionally and are really not bad people, and we might overly weigh something against them when it's not who they are and it's not fair. I'm trying to remember on your website, I believe it was, you're offering a range of services, organizations, professionals, individuals, and groups. Yes. So what does a typical class look like? So we do workshops really with groups of usually professionals. So I've done groups with people that are in the sales area or real estate agents, teach them some of the fundamentals of these psychology concepts, how impressions are formed and all the fundamental ways that we express them and then have people do exercises and give each other feedback. So it's good to learn. And also it's really hard to see ourselves the way others do. So feedback is something that's really, really a gift and is one of the best ways for us to learn how others see us. And then we can have the, you know, the opportunity to make tweaks if we want to. I still find it hard at times to take constructive criticism, but you're saying that if you come to our training program and you just lay it on the line, then we can give you the evaluations that can make you a better person. Yeah, but it's important to, to remember, Dan, that we're going to really help you understand what you do that's really, really effective and charming and warm. And it's when you feel the confidence that you're doing a lot of things really well, it's much easier to open your heart to criticism. No one likes criticism because we all act in certain ways because we think it's a good thing to do when it, we think it's effective. So it feels naturally uncomfortable to think that we're doing it wrong. But these may be just small things that you could be better at in the context of having lots of charms. So mm-hmm. we're always going to give you a balance of things you should be proud of and confident in and continue doing. And so maybe allow yourself to be even more expressive instead of being self-monitoring because you're really good at these things. And then maybe some blind spots, things that send unintended negative messages. Like you might, when you meet someone for the first time, talk a lot in a passionate way because you you want to have a lot of energy and you think it's appealing and not know that you might be kind of dominating and depriving the other person of feeling some connection. So we help people see these blind spots and understand how others might see them, 
little things they can do to be more appealing. Because sometimes we get we don't get the reaction we expect, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. We walk away scratching our head. So we help to illuminate, you know, what some of those elements might be. So how has technology made first impressions different, and do you study that in regards to the contrast? You no, know, um, of course there's all this social media, but we still live in an interpersonal world. So we're still going to go out into the world. The streets are filled with people. I'm sure Chicago's buzzing with people going out, meeting people. We meet new colleagues. We meet new clients. And so it is something that's universal. And just because we speak sometimes on FaceTime doesn't mean that a lot of these same elements really matter and are probably never going to go away. You know, the TV didn't replace the radio. We're still going to have interactions. We still all crave and desire human interactions, want to have positive relationships. It's part of our human nature. Hmm. So body language, of course, will matter more in a face-to-face interaction, but actually on a phone call or you know, a technology interaction in a chat, some of these things actually play out. So I discover that I'm not perceived well at my office after going through one of your programs or taking one of your surveys. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Well, if working with you as a coachee, we do executive coaching, what we would do is, in addition to giving you a survey, perhaps interview a set of your colleagues and say, hey, how does Dan come across? What are his greatest strengths? What could he be better at? You know, how good is he at listening and a number of of various elements? And then we anonymize and aggregate that data into a report for you to see how people see you in black and white. And it's really, really interesting. Of course, we always focus on what you do really well. And then based on that, we craft kind of a development plan. So if I wanted to be a better listener or be more emotive, sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what to do differently. So they can't really make any changes. So then we get kind of tactical. If you want to be a better listener, what are some situations coming up? What can you do? What are the obstacles to doing that? We make like a really an an accessible plan with like ways to measure. How are we going to know if you're a better listener and how long will it take you? And what strengths do you have that's going to make it easier for you to do that? And then we would meet or speak over time because one of the best things about coaching is it keeps it kind of front burner. It's really easy to be inspired to make changes, but then sometimes we kind of like drift back to our old nature. Unless you have someone as a coach that's going to remind you and then you know that you're going to be asked about it and it's going to be something that you're going to, between sessions, pay a lot of attention to. It's a really effective individualized way to learn. There's lots of data demonstrating that it's a great way to make positive behavioral change. I've found a process lately to be very refreshing in that I go out and I pick one day a week where my interaction with somebody, be it someone at Starbucks, a Bed Bath & Beyond, wherever I'm traveling that day, I'll make it a conscious effort to continue the conversation past just the the common, hi, how are you, those kind of things, Mm. in order to gauge how long they're smiling Mm -hmm. or or what the cadence of their language is. And and I found it refreshing, and it it is totally on point that that component of human interaction is so fulfilling. Mm. It's interesting, and, and I commend you for the work that you're doing to make those initial interactions better. Well, I commend you for doing that. That's really nice. You're probably just adding some levity to that person's life, right? That sort of pays it forward. They're probably going to be nicer and smile at the next person more than they would have had you not engaged them in that warm way. 
hundred percent. And it's you feel an aura begin to happen, and mm. it's it's even more interesting when you apply it to scenarios where something has happened, something negative, someone may have spilled something or dropped mm-hmm. something. You have to obviously trend on an interesting line to where you don't become intrusive into the situation and then make it even more awkward or embarrassing for the person. But in mm. just the common interactions on a day-to-day basis, well, and even podcasts itself, the the idea of communicating, it has a correlation of impressions that is fascinating to me and refreshing to see fundamental steps that you can improve the actual going out into the wild and taking those human interactions again and analyzing them is so beneficial and it's been extremely beneficial to me and i say it to all the listeners that you know you should really focus on it can be once a month it can be once a week as i do and and i find myself outside of the parameters of that mental test for myself just doing it naturally now Mm, so not only that's great it's so it seems like such a positive thing it's reinforced and it's a habit you don't even have to like say i'm going to do it just once a week correct and at first I did, and I'm not that much of an introvert. However, it was somewhat uncomfortable at times to just bring up other conversations with people mm-hmm. when they were in a, in a position where, in my head, I'm thinking, well, gosh, they have to answer because they're there and they're not going to move. But mm. in, in their head, they're probably thinking, oh, I can't wait for this guy to shut up. It was also combating that idea of thinking that they were thinking something negative. Interesting. But do you feel like you left a positive emotion from the interaction that you had? Most, yes. Feel like you introduced some levity or connection or, you know, made them feel just a slightly more happy from being, you know, in your presence. Yes. So that's really great. You know, imagine if we all did this all the time. Even something as simple as a smile has this pro-social impact. Mm -hmm. So there was a researcher that had someone stand on the sidewalk and either smile or not smile at passerbys. And then later a colleague dropped something. The people that were smiled upon were significantly more likely to help the person that dropped something. Hmm. So that's just an instantaneous smile can have this change behavior and foster compassion. So it's a really simple, easy thing we can do in our everyday interactions with people that we've just met as well as people we know for a long time. I agree. Well, where can people find your work and possibly sign up for your surveys and get started? So we have a website, www.firstimpressionsconsulting.com. We have an office here in New York as well as one in Fresno, California. And um, we also have a book. It's called First Impressions, What You Don't Know About How Others See You in 24 Languages. Hmm. Well, and is there any focus or do you have any plans on widening the demographic of readers to even before high school students? Yes, I actually have a proposal. I would love to um, get published a book that's going to be for kids called People Smart and help them to understand how they come across and learn these patterns earlier on and then, you know, grow up to be more socially aware and interpersonally savvy. So help them when they're younger rather than wait till they're a mid-career professional to get this Mm -hmm. kind of feedback. Okay, so ask more questions and smile. Those are some easy things, right, Dan? You could do that. That's You're already doing it, right? Easy enough. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I really, I've enjoyed this. 
All right. It was my great pleasure. Thanks so much, Dan. You're welcome. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you for taking the time to listen. You can find more information about our show at the 10 districtcom